Welcome to your podcast, Leadership is Tricky, where we'll tackle various topics, challenges, and experiences as it relates to your investment in leadership. So, let's design success together. Now your hosts. Hey, all you listeners. This is Leadership is Tricky. Steven coming at you. Eric. Hey, what's up, Steven? How you doing? Nothing much. How are you doing today? I'm good. We just finished doing a test, so my mind's a little bit like jello right now. Yeah, going back to school for a week is kind of interesting, isn't it? Absolutely. <laughs> but, but we both pass, so life's good. Uh, I just want to welcome the audience out there for joining us uh, again today as we uh, continue on in uh, 2020. Yeah. Yeah, I think the last episode was, was pretty good, you know, bringing on David and kind of talking through his uh, leadership journey and it got a ton of downloads because we just passed, you know, 550 downloads. Uh, this yeah, big week. milestone. Absolutely. Uh, soon, you know, another 500 or so uh, will start making this a little bit profitable for us. And yeah, the momentum is there. I think uh, we're getting a lot of feedback on our social media channels. So we're excited about that. Um, and then just in general, you know, with people taking an interest in this world and what people think about leadership and everybody's got their own perspective, which is great because we want to hear that. We want to deep dive all these different avenues and perspectives and thoughts because you, you and I both know, Eric, we don't have the answer to this. No. So that's why we started a platform. We want to learn yeah. from other people. And uh, January is going to be exciting because we do have uh, some other folks lined up that are going to come on and share their leadership journey, some of their challenges. And, you know, I think the demand is there, right? Uh, yeah. The- and just being able to relate because I think, Again, what I think I said on the very first episode, you can read a book, you can go to a class, go to a seminar, watch some YouTube videos, some TED Talks, and you think you might know just because that expert or somebody told you what they thought, Um, but you really need that practical, real world, kind of real talk about it, and I think that's what we bring. Yeah, and I had my aha moment this week as well because I related it back to the podcast and leadership is we had an instructor that was teaching us all about how to manage IT services, and you asked him the question. Have you ever seen this work in, in a practical knowledge? And he said he's been teaching for the last 20 to 30 years. So you can teach this, but having that practical knowledge and that experience to be able to share with everyone else is critical. It is. Yeah. So, you know, we, we kind of talked about it today. What we're going to get into today is uh, w- there was a question posed on LinkedIn that got you and I and the instructor this morning kind of a little bit heated and, and talking through it. And I thought, you know, why not bring it onto the platform and share it with everyone else? So Yeah, so just going through my own social feed, uh, a fellow friend of ours, Jeff Bodwin, uh, shout out. Uh, he, he had something on his feed because he's in his own kind of leadership development, you know, class slash uh, journey. And the question that was posed was, should it be mission first or people first? And uh, just to kind of put some context to it. The program that he's in is really kind of a military leadership kind of college or university, if you will, environment. So he's in a class not only with uh, civilians, but also with some military officers that do talk about some of these things. And uh, you wouldn't think that they're different. But when you talk about perspectives with something like that, if it's mission or people, you get completely different answers. And I'm sure he got that. He didn't insinuate on his on his, uh, you know, his post out there if one was kind of the the majority kind of rule in the room but what he did post on there if i'm i'm you know putting this in layman's terms he basically said it got very uh the the conversation was 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 i guess real let's spirited. just say it's spirited yeah you could pull it up right now just to I make am. sure I'm we get pull it right it up right now so <laughs> and we get some real time comments on because when i saw it i think one or two had maybe commented on it so um I have my own opinion. I'm sure you do as well, Eric. 
Yeah, so so he, he wrote, from a military perspective, should we as leaders have our primary focus, take care of our people first, or make sure the mission comes first? And, he, you know, he goes on to exactly what you just said, that you know, this came up during his studies and the conversation among peers. Yeah. Um, and it got a little bit spirited. Um, and we have, let's see, we have the majority of folks that said mission first. It's interesting. Right? Um, even one gentleman said it's the reason the people are there in the first place. Wow. So mission first. That kind of makes me hurt. <laughs> yeah, and then another person said the mission must be accomplished, but if we don't take care of our people, the mission will suffer. Hmm. Um, another person said mission always first and foremost. Um, and in fact, I even said it's easy. You need people to do the mission. Yep. Right. Um, yeah. So then we got into some some other discussion today about that specific topic, but um, some more practical examples um, where our, our instructor talked about, you know, being a part of a board one day and it became very apparent to him that he needed to be self-employed yep. um, because it was all about the bottom line, the financial impacts. And that was about it. They even said the way that they would talk about, you know, those worker bees, action officers, the people in the organization doing all the work. Uh, the disparaging comments, I think, is what he said. And just having that, um, that I guess he got the behind-the-closed-door view into what a board of directors would actually say. Because when I, when I heard him this morning talk about it, it was all about them and maximizing their own profit for whatever financial decision the company was going to make. It wasn't about the company. It was about how much money each of those specific people were going to make on the deal. Yeah, how much it was going to generate income for the put in their pockets, yeah. right? So, so what are your thoughts? So my thoughts, and I cliche kind of said, you know, it shouldn't be mission first people always because we hear that kind of cliche throughout, you know, people talking. I think it should be people first, mission always. And it gets down to what you and I say, Eric, you know, there's always work to be done. Uh, there's always that daily grind of just tasks and actions and, and emails and phone calls and meetings that we always have to do. Given the, you know, the spike in demand based on, you know, just things going on that are out there. But when you're talking about work, work is always there. That's why we're hired. But again, if you do the people thing first, the work kind of takes care of itself. And I think the people, and I'll let you kind of allude your, uh, your philosophy along this way as well. But if you take care of the people, it really comes down to the mission you, you never have to worry about. So I really wanted to come into this conversation and argue with you, but I, I'm actually with you. Um, the, way I, the way I view it, and you kind of touched on it, is that those tasks, those daily tasks are going to be there tomorrow. Those functions are going to be there tomorrow. That's how we go out and hire people. So if I don't make it into work tomorrow, they're going to go out and hire someone that's coming to do those functions and tasks. So those tasks will never end. But let's be real. That when you just said that out loud, that's a hard thing for people to come to terms with, to think that I'm not more important no, than mean, the work. So, no, we're, I mean, we're all replaceable. Like, we don't want to feel that way, but we are. It, that, um, that, isn't that a hard concept, though, for some people? It, it is, because there's a feeling of change, right? Um, you know, as things change in an organization, um, you might need new skills, you might need... Uh, new tools um, to do your job or the, the landscape of the business is changing, right? So that, that mission, that business, that, that vision, but you should be able to retrain, repurpose the people that have that institutional knowledge to now meet that mission or that business or, you know, uh, demand. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, well, so, so, so my, my take, and you know, I say this all the time and you know, it, 
you're probably tired of hearing it, but <laughs> the the work is going to get done. So I don't really care about the work too much. I care about the people because if I don't invest in the people when they leave, I can't get the mission done. It, it, you need the people to do the mission and or or to get the work done or get after those business outcomes and objectives. But if you don't invest in the people, you don't hire the right people. You don't train people um, properly. They're going to leave. You don't incentivize them being a part of this and keeping the business going. And that's be out of business. Well, and that's the differentiator. You know, maybe where we are currently working at, we don't have that competition. But the companies that are out there, kind of competing for those, you know, resources that are out there from a customer or an organ, another organization that they have as a supplier. Um, you know, how else do you differentiate yourself other than the people and the talent that you put behind the scenes, making things happen, delivering that value back to those customers? I, I just, it sounds so simple though, but just to go back for a second. I think what's what's interesting when I see people that potentially have to like leave a job or they retire, they uh, they go on to another job somewhere else and they always have that maybe and, and this isn't the norm, but there's those folks that have that salty perspective that when they leave, they feel like everything's going to crumble down around them because they were that integral or important to the process they were a part of or the system that they were in. Um I think it's a humbling moment for every one of us to wake up one morning and say, you know, life will go on. It always has. It always will. And, you know, once you have that aha moment for yourself, you can kind of kind of prioritize everything about what you do in the world and kind of how you come to work, how you interact with others on the team. And then, you know, I'm all about like living in the moment more and more as I, as I grow into the person that I am today as the father, as the husband and all that, you know, we have such a limited amount of time in the space that we have with our, with our workers, with our employees, with our, you know, just friends in general, you know, we don't, we don't take the time to appreciate that. And I think that's maybe what I'm trying to get at at the end of the day, that the work that albeit could change, at the end of the day, it's like right now, let's take advantage of what we can do right now as a team and put the people first, knowing that the work's going to get done. I don't know if I made a coherent thought there. Uh, you gave you gave a few thoughts. Okay. Um, <laughs> so let's unpack it a little bit. Um, so you started off with people waking up under and having that moment of clarity where if they've done their job the right way, if we have the right processes, um, in play and they've architected themselves out of a job. We should be able to plug somebody back in and that should be not a negative thing. It should be a positive yeah. um, moment and validation that, you know what? I did everything I could to improve the process, make it more sustainable. And now I'm moving on and someone else can come back in. Right. Fair. Um, so, so, so that's, that's that individual helping the business. But throughout that time, though, I think that part of that aha moment and, and that clarity should involve them understanding that the business has invested in me to build the skills for me to properly architect myself out of this job. Right. Yeah. Because because even even in IT, you know, I hate to always go back to IT, but in IT, we should be automating all of our processes so that way we're not needing any longer. You know, we write scripts and um, we build systems that automate business processes so that we can gain more efficiencies. We can take a lot of human error out of things. Um, 
but in order to do that, we have to invest in the people to build those types of systems. And we have to care about those individuals. And even when that person architects themselves out of their, maybe their current role or job, we repurpose them to keep that institutional knowledge within the organization if we can. Sure. Um, but, but yeah, to, but to your point, I think that we all need to understand that we aren't bigger than the business, but I think the businesses understand they need us to have a business. Yeah. And as you're doing all that, those good things, just take advantage of the time you have with the other people around you and leverage those people and not get so caught up in the stresses that eventually will come with the work and, mm-hmm. um, you know, just get out of your own way to a certain extent. I think it's also it's <clears throat> fostering those relationships that will last a lot longer than the tasks and functions that you have in that role that you're in and that company that might not be here in 10 years yeah because you i mean people aren't going to remember the report that you sent or the meeting that you held they're no. going to remember those those maybe the one-off lunch that you had or the coffee conversation you had where you helped them through a difficult moment in their life or something you know and that that to me is what i mean by people first that we're we're not only worrying about their their you know what they're bringing to the table at, at the office and the value that they're, they're, they're delivering and how we're trying to coach and mentor and, and bring them up to a certain level of performance, let's say. But it's also just who they are as a person, what motivates and, and, and drives them internally. And then just their other interests in life. I mean, you hear about these affinity groups or employee resource groups that are taking place in, in industry um, via some kind of a diversity and inclusion program. Well, they're doing it on purpose. It's just to bring people more together, not only around the work, but around other facets of the, of their life and their um, interests. Absolutely. So, so it's a, this whole podcast and this platform that we have is about leadership, right? Yep. So, as leaders now, um, you and I, we we're on the same page that we need to focus on the people and more of the adaptive challenges that are out there rather than the technical challenges. And for folks that don't. Aren't, aren't too read up on adaptive versus technical leadership. Technical, technical leadership can be summed up as when you break your arm, you're going to a doctor. The doctor has all the authority and control over you in that situation. They're going to patch you up, send you on your way. The adaptive part of that is coping with the fact that you might have broken your arm and I got to help you through that. Um, you know, the kind of the emotional challenges that, that are associated with it, the things that we kind of don't see, kind of the squishy stuff. Um, other adaptive challenges are, you know, how do you bring people together to get after something that means more than um, that technical challenge in the moment. Maybe the non-prescriptive stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and, and I'm reading this book by Ron Heif. It's, 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 it's called Leadership on the Line, and he talks about adaptive versus technical leadership. In a chapter, he really was talking about like 9-11, where the response of the country was, you know, we need first responders. We need to get, you know, cleanup actions in place. We need military action against uh, the threat. But what we maybe kind of failed um, in that moment was is the adaptive challenges of the perceptions of people that are out there. And, you know, we, we are vulnerable as a country. Um, and waking up that next day with the reality of that, who would have ever thought that would happen, you know? And I don't know if we paid enough focus in that, you know, and it also gets, you know, after the religion piece of it, you know, Christianity versus uh, the, the Muslim religion and, you know, that that thing that's been going on for a thousand years that we were really focused on. But after 9-11, it was really at the forefront of everybody's minds. And how do we deal with that? And as leaders, how do we now look at what we're talking about here? You know, mission first versus people first is, yeah, we, 
these are some technical challenges and some things that we can put in place like programs or whatever the case may be. What about the adaptive challenges of helping people through change um, and helping them cope with the loss of something because as a result of that change? And it could be respect. It could be um, they're no longer the SME. It could be that the business, because we're mission first um, and we're, we're, we're gaining efficiencies and, and we're going through that, that there's a feeling of loss and how do we work through those adaptive challenges? Have you seen that, you know, or have an experience with something like that? I have, because if you don't focus on the, the feelings of loss, you know, ultimately those people will shut down and there'll be those detractors or the, you know, the people that aren't going to buy in and they're, even if it is in their best interest too, they're going to totally shut down and have their, you know, upfront wall that you have to break down. Um, but to get more to your question, I believe that we don't do enough of the of the explaining of the why behind things. And we talked about that a little bit this week as well in our class, which was interesting um, just because, you know, typically the business wants to do something for kind of a very objective reason or what you would call those technical kind of reasons where we're going to save time, money, gain market share, whatever. Um, but it's never about, you know, we're going to make you a better person. You're going to learn a new skill set or a competency that could make you even more, you know, marketable, not only to our organization, but to other people that could potentially recruit you. Because that's one of the things as leaders we should do is, you know, we want you to become a bigger, better version of yourself, but to enable those folks if and when they do decide to move on to that next opportunity, we promote that. We encourage that. We're, we're their biggest cheerleader trying to get them into those situations. So when we're talking about change, you know, there's always that fear of the unknown. But if we did the adaptive things well, there would be so much more, I would say, confidence, stability, and just people being more grounded in who they are value-wise and, and their makeup. So that when they come and they put that, that – you know, that pr presentation of themselves in front of others, they are truly authentic to use the word again. Mm -hmm. I think that's why that word is such a great word when you're talking about um, adaptive and authentic leadership. Um, you know, it's just, if you knew what you were, what you were surrounding yourself with people wise, I think people would just, we would be so much better as just, you know, just getting, tasks done and the working part would just kind of take care of itself yeah what i find interesting that <clears throat> as leaders that when we have issues arise or complex issues arise we quickly go to our technical leadership kit yeah right we use our technical skills to help us get out of the issue fairly quickly but we never get to the root of what the problem is or the change that needs to happen so why do you think we do that because it's comfortable. It's our status quo, right? Hmm. We, it's, we, we get into a comfort zone as leaders or even employees um, in any situation or even as, as people um, where when something that is familiar comes into our kind of comfort zone, we, we try to get that, eliminate that task fairly quickly. So we go to our technical piece and we just kind of scratch the surface to get it off our plate. Um, one of the things that I talk about all the time and, you know, you've kind of sat through it is looking at change and understanding what are those triggers that put us into a space of um, chaos or a face of. Uh, 
I would say like disequilibrium. It's like basically not that's, where things that's, are that's balanced. That's kind of the worst where I want the word I was uh, searching for. I'm yeah. just a little fried from the test, but, <laughs> um, but you know, understanding like when I'm in that situation or when someone's in that situation to help pull them out of it, because you know, one of the things that I learned, um, through my studies is you can do three things. You can fight, right? You can fight the issue and there's always going to be that conflict because it's something that you've never done before, the task you've never done before, or a situation you never dealt with. Um, you can flee, right? So people are going to be looking for jobs and, and um, or whatever the case may be, or leave the situation as fast as they can, um, or they're going to freeze in place, and you're going to lose productivity. You're going to lose that individual within your environment. So as leaders, what we need to do is we need to be cognizant of all of our employees and their triggers and their strengths and their developmental areas so that we can pick out and, and understand where they're in that space to help pull them back. And how do you do that? It's by investing in them, um, giving them the skills, the tools, the training, not with the thought that they're going to be leaving the organization, but the thought that I'm training and I'm building that skills and competencies while they're in my organization. So that way, if I do give them that task, they do have the skills and they do have the, the confidence to be able to Hey, take that task. I jump up into my disequilibrium, but hey, I, I have the knowledge because I'm in a learning state. I've learned through that. I've increased my status quo over time to be able to handle that situation. And I always like use a vignette, and uh, you can probably attest to this or anybody else out there is when you have your first kid. Mm. You know, you, that's a big moment. <laughs> it's, it's, it's huge amount of stress from the time that you know you they pee on that stick. You figure out that, oh, we're, we're about to bring a life into this world, and I'm still eating Cheerios and walking around <laughs> in, in my pajamas at noon. I don't know what's going on, right? So you start reading all the books. You start to gain all the skills, and you start taking the classes, right? So everyone takes the classes. So if you're out there and you say you didn't take a class, you're lying. Right? <laughs> everyone takes the classes at your local, you know. Even if it's a YouTube video, right? Absolutely. But you're, you're taking some type of education, and you start to talk to other parents. And yeah. what did you do? What did you do? And you try to gain that knowledge and learn from it. And then the baby shows up, right? You go into labor, and you're going through that chaos. The kid comes into this world. You hear that cry, and everything that you learn goes out of the window. Right now, you you forgot how to put the car seat in the in there. You forgot how to put the diaper bag on. You forgot how to put a diaper on a baby. But I say all that because now you're in this state of disequilibrium and chaos, and you don't know what's going on. But you learn from it over time because you can't fight, flee, or freeze. Yeah, you have no choice. Yeah, you, you, <laughs> you would think deal, you have to deal with this, right? And some people yeah. that can deal with it. There's other things that tragically happen. Yeah. However. Um, the normal individual, you have to just deal with it and you have to take care of this life. Um, and then you go, go through it. Let's say two years later, you have kid number two. Mm. You're not reading any books. You're not going to any classes. You're not talking to other people. Basically, you know what's going to happen because you've gone through that, yep. right? You've gone through that chaos. And when baby shows up on day one, I mean, you're strapping, you, 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 the swaddle comes back, you know how to put on diapers, you know how to f uh, mix the right temperature. You're like a chemist, <laughs> right? At this point, you know, it, it's, it, it's, it's easier for you, but you're still in a little bit of chaos with your first child because as a, you know, they're hit the threes and the fours and the fives. Well, I would say in that moment, the first child is in that new state of disequilibrium just because... They've always been the only one. Absolutely. They've had all the attention, all the toys, all the gifts, oh. all the whatever. Yeah, now they, they have to share. And they might fight you a little bit, right? Yes. They might freeze in place and pout. <laughs> and, right? So, but, but if you take that model and you overlay it on every single person in your organization, they're all going through something. Yeah. And we have to be cognizant of 
how do we exercise our adaptive leadership and not always resort back to our technical skills? Because with that three-year-old now, I can go back to my tech. I mean, I'm sorry, with the new infant, I can go back to my technical skills because I've done it already. But that three-year-old or four-year-old or five-year-old, that first child, it's a whole new set of challenges ahead of me on how to raise a family, how to deal with you know a wife now with two kids and how to deal with family and outings and gatherings yeah. with two kids, right? So I'm still in that um, danger area um, or state of disequilibrium, um, but I've increased my status quo for at least a portion of that. So I guess the question that I have, and you know, I'd love to hear your feedback. You know, once the said person is in that state, and then you identify it, and you don't want to use your technical skills, obviously, to mm-hmm. kind of pull them out and give them the recipe to get out. How do you engage him or her to show them that through this process, it's for their betterment? while they're in that, what we call the grip as well, that, that really kind of bad place that we all don't want to be. So I think it's a mixture of a lot of things because now you need to, you know what the real work that needs to happen to get them out of that, or you might not. You might have to enlist other stakeholders um, that might be in the same place or have gone through it and connect the two, is use a network of people that want to get after the same type of work and then you give the work back to the individual or you give that person the, the tools, the skills, the, the different, um, you know, whether it might be HR or behavioral health or whoever, um, any resources that you have access to within your network or other stakeholders out there. You bring them together, introduce them together, do the introduction, start working through some of the, the issues and then give the work back to the people. And let them go through that adaptive process. Right. And Absolutely. Because they have to you have to put them in a constant state of learning as leaders. You know, that's the whole thing about leadership is how do I put people in the unavoidable path of learning? Hmm. It's huge. It's, 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 it's huge. But we should, you, we should put that on the wall. That's you, good stuff. Yeah. And then and so there's that piece. And, you know, bringing it back to our conversation is as leaders, we have to get out of our own way and think that it's all about the work. It's not about the technical challenges. It's about the adaptive leadership skills and competencies that we have to exercise on a daily basis. And again, put people in that unavoidable path of learning so that way they can learn from their mistakes, so they can learn learn and build those competencies that they need to provide better value to the business so then we can achieve those outcomes that we that we desire as a business. Yeah, and one thing I want to add, I think what's really critical is after that state of learning has happened for whatever moment that might have been for the individual, you as a leader owe it to him or her to sit back down and walk through what you observed the previous, you know, if it was a month or two or whatever that time period was and have that said individual, I think, realize kind of the, 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 who they are now and kind of, I guess what I'm trying to say is they've, they've come out better for it. Cause I think half the time when you're in that moment of, you know, disequilibrium, you don't want to fight it anymore because it's so hard and you just want to curl back up and go back to that maybe flea or frozen kind of mentality. But I think the more that you have those after kind of reviews with them or kind of those one-on-one, you know, we call them retrospectives. I think the more that you do that, the more that they're going to be willing to put themselves in those situations 
and kind of be out of their comfort zone. Yeah, because next time, you know, they, they've gone through it. And, you know, next time that task or the situation arises, you know, they're more prepared to, you know, maybe even volunteer to take it on. So does that mean you're going to be like a dad of three, four, five more kids? Or Absolutely something like that? not. <laughs> I will continue to give Kayla hugs when I see her. And All right. uh, I will live through you. <laughs> uh, no, I think we're I think we're done. I think I'm good with my uh, my reset with kids. I love my ch- children, but. Um, I still have a lot to learn, a lot of adaptive work and, and learning to do as uh, my kids continue to grow. Um, so. So we're in agreement, though. I mean, it comes down to people first. People always really is what I say. And then mission whenever. I, I think it's all about the people all the time. Yeah. The mission will get done. I don't yep. think we have to emphasize the mission. Um, I think that there's a there's a vision and a mission, a mission statement that most organizations have, um, whether it's here or there. They have business outcomes. But it's going to be the right people at the right time in the right situation that are going to help you either be profitable, be successful as a business. So I think if there's business owners out there listening, if there's leaders out there listening, focus on your people. The rest will sort itself out. People inherently want to come to work and do do a good job. Right. Because we, we only have a set amount of time on this in this world. And really work is, is a means to 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 get after everything else in our life. It gives people purpose if that's how they define purpose for themselves. And, you know there's so many good things and you know organizations now are becoming more purpose-driven trying to solve these bigger problems for society if it's environmental social whatever and people want to be a part of that and if they can align that to any part of their kind of inner spirit and their drive and whatever I mean that that's how you're really going to win at the end of the day it's not about the bottom line it's not about profit it's not about you know albeit those things are really really important um that's not that's not really why we're here and I think it's all changing I think us talking about this and giving people kind of that reset to say look go go find great people that you want to surround yourself with and then keep engaging and interfacing with those folks I think we see it more and more with startups now I mean you you see startups popping up everywhere and it's typically a group of friends that had a great idea that love each other um, that set off to do something amazing um, and now in this service-driven economy, those are the ones that are actually killing it out there. Yep. This this old adage and in, in thought of having these large institutional businesses, um, it, some startups will end up that way or be absorbed, but that same group of people are going to move on to something else and they're going to go try to solve another problem because they actually care about each other, they love each other, and they're all in together um, to get after some of the, uh, the real challenges. So, I mean, to your point, you got your spot on is the people matter. Yep. Um, so I think I think we hit it on the head today, and I do appreciate everyone out there that's that's listening. And we'll find something to argue about eventually because we got to get into that. No, I think we have plenty to argue about. It's just by the time <laughs> we get in here, we've agreed on something, and uh, we get after it. But yeah, yeah. cool. All right. So, hey, folks, thank you guys for listening to this uh, episode. And you can find us on all the platforms, you know, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, um, to name a couple. Um, You can find us on all the major platforms. You can also uh, reach us at leadershipistricky.com. If you guys want to leave us a comment, you can find us on Facebook and LinkedIn. Um, And you can also email us at Eric, E-R-I-C-K, at leadershipistricky.com. So with that, Steve, any parting shots? No, just have a great weekend. Enjoy your time with your family, Eric. And uh, yeah. Yeah, happy Martin Luther King uh, Observance Day, um, and we'll see you guys next week.